Hello and welcome to Sustainability is Sexy, the podcast where we talk about all things sustainable from regenerative agriculture, alternative to single-use plastic, and everything in between. I'm your host, Liz Murphy, and each episode I will talk to leaders in the sustainability space to provide insights, innovation, and inspiration for all of us to create a healthier planet. On today's episode, we have Wit Regali, co-founder of Misadventure & Co. in Vista. Welcome to the podcast, Wit. Hi, Liz. Uh, pleasure Hi. to be here. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've been telling everybody how excited I am about this specific episode, just because I think you know I've been obsessed with you guys for a long time and what you do. Um, so I am beyond excited to get it out there and share it with everybody else. Um, so welcome and thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having us. It's, I'm super excited, too. Absolutely. Um, so I just want to roll into it, honestly. I, it's such a cool story that you guys have. We'll, we'll, we'll jump back. We'll talk a little bit about you later. But I just want to hear about how did Misadventure start? Because it is such a cool concept. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So really kind of how it got started was uh, myself and my business partner, Sam Chereskin. We originally wanted to start a, a craft distillery where we made uh whiskey in a sustainable way. We were going to package and reuse wine bottles. And uh, pretty quickly, we realized that that was kind of a fool's errand. Turns out it takes four years to make a four-year-old bourbon. Uh, And when you have no money, yeah, right? When you have no money or time, waiting four years for something is just uh, not in the card. So uh, we we decided to... uh, find something that was going to take like a week to 10 days to make. And so enter uh, vodka and gin and rum. And uh, during that search uh, around 2015, the natural resource defense council came out with uh, their, their report talking about how much food that is, is wasted globally, uh, which is, which is around 40%. And, and, and with that, um, you know, they also reported, uh, how this food damages the environment from um, all the wasted uh, water and pesticides and the leaching of the soil from the nutrients of the soil for these crops. And then they follow that all the way into uh, uh, transportation and then how this food is disposed of and and lost in the food chain. And when food is uh, thrown away, uh, it decomposes into methane. Uh, which is 25 times more potent as a greenhouse gas and CO2. And so, um, you know, the food that we're wasting is 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 kind of like a double whammy to the environment. And uh, when we were uh, kind of confronted with these this problem, these numbers, um, we were kind of thinking like, well, could we look at this problem and, and, and figure out maybe is, is there a potential solution that we could offer to this? And when you look at uh, food from a distiller's perspective and you can deconstruct what it's made from, uh, it's essentially starches and sugars. And starches and sugars is there are the building blocks to making all alcohols, whether it's whiskey, beer and wine. And that was really our kind of inspiration and our light bulb moment, which is like, wait a second, like, we might be able to turn some of this stuff into alcohol. Uh, and that led us down a kind of like a two year, uh, like R and D journey where we were talking to grocery stores and food banks and nonprofits and for profits and cities. And, uh, finally kind of came up with, uh, 
our own process and, and, and work to other distilleries and breweries to kind of get this weird process down. And now we have the, um, the world's first vodka made from surplus baked goods we get from food banks, which is Misadventure Vodka. <laughs> it just brings me so much joy <laughs> to hear that. It's so exciting. And so back when I met you, gosh, that had to be like 2017, maybe? Mm-hmm. When did you guys actually start? I feel like you were pretty new, maybe, or like had just gotten started. When did you actually start distilling the vodka? Well, we started distilling it probably back in 2016, but we didn't okay. release the product to the public till around the time that you and I had met in 2017. Uh, just because like, yeah, we had to invent a lot of the stuff that and build a lot of the equipment that it takes to do this. Um, you know, there's not really a lot of craft vodka distillers um, of making vodka uh, is it takes a specialized still, which we couldn't afford. So we had to build one and, uh, you know, kind of some of the processes that we've had to learn along the way. Well, because you're, you know, distilling it from baked goods. So old cakes and cupcakes and all those things. Is there equipment that you had to build that didn't exist at all? Or is it kind of a similar process? Um, it's not, I mean, we had to like, (laughs) Jerry rig a bunch of different things to say like yeah. depackage the bread and break things down. There's been a whole lot of figuring things out along the way. And yeah, we, we've had to uh, build a lot of the things that didn't exist or mo- or really what we couldn't afford. Uh, you know, what ends up happening in the distilling world is, you, and in the brewing world, it's kind of the same way. Um, you have equipment that's made for like home distillers and home brewers, but not really home distillers because you're not supposed to do that. Um, but you have really small, like garage hobbyist sized equipment. And then it just jumps up into, you know, industrial, industrial scale equipment. Yeah. And we were in the middle. And so we, we had to kind of work with the tools that we had and, um, you know, build our own still and, uh, build our own filtration unit, um, and then seek grants out from the California government to get uh, turbo separators to uh, separate uh, all the packaging from the baked goods, uh, which we we had just received, actually, uh, our, our turbo separator, and we're installing it now, and we're very excited about that, because uh, that will allow us to, to process millions of pounds of baked goods a year, uh, well, that's a capability of it. Yeah, that's incredible. So, yeah, you briefly touched on the fact that you're getting these baked goods from the food bank. So what's that process? Like, how does it get to the food bank? And then how does it get to you guys? And why is this going to waste? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, the you know, we have food waste throughout the entire uh, kind of supply chain in the food system, you know, from uh, farms to the transportation to the grocery stores to the to restaurants, to our homes, to food banks, you know, just, it's not perfect because this stuff is, it has an expiration date. Uh, It's only going to be good for so long. And, um, you know, to really preserve it requires a lot of energy and and refrigeration, things like that. So um, it's not one person or company's fault. Uh, It's it's just kind of the, right now, it's the nature of the system that's been set up. So um, as far as the the baked goods that we get, you know, we, we're processing, 
you know, everything you can imagine in a grocery store bakery aisles. So you have like wheat bread and bagels. Uh, then you have like cakes and honey buns and cupcakes and strudels and things like that. Uh, all of that uh, has a shelf life. And before it, uh, that shelf life is up, generally what grocery stores will do is they they try to maximize the value from that. And so they're, they they want to do something good with it. They'll they'll donate that to food banks, um, as well as all uh, you know the nutritious foods as well. And the food banks will take in uh, whatever their capacity can handle. Uh, their nonprofits uh, that are generally staffed with a lot of volunteers, and um, because of that, the food banks really only focus on uh, giving nutritious foods to the needy. And while they'll still take in as much as they can. They don't distribute all of it because you don't really need to give a Twinkie to, you know, uh, someone that's hungry. You want to focus your efforts on giving, you know, uh, some vegetables and meat and produce things along those lines. So, um, unfortunately, you know, these a lot of these baked goods kind of clog up the food bank system. And uh, just like anybody else, when they throw this stuff away, uh, which they try not to, it costs them money uh, and a lot of money. And so um, with us kind of coming in there and uh, picking up these baked goods, now we're, we're like a caboose in the food system. We are first saving these nonprofits money so they can do uh, their great work. But second, we're preventing this stuff from going to the landfill uh, and kind of like extending its useful life. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll take that turn into into vodka and uh, kind of upcycle it to something, something new and different. In this series, we are talking to local sustainable business owners and organizations to highlight tangible resources within our community. Are you a local sustainable business or do you know someone we should be talking to? Email us at sustainabilityissexythepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I mean, it's such an incredible impact that you guys are making in a way that clearly nobody has really thought of before. Because, um, you know, I, you can find that information on your website where it's your, you know, the first carbon negative correct, correct. process. Yep. So can you explain what that means? Because we've all heard carbon neutral and we get really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but carbon negative, tell me what that what that means. The simplest explanation of that is um, we are diverting more CO2 with our process than uh, than we create. And so, um, the, by preventing these baked goods from going to the landfill, we're, we're not only preventing the, that stuff from turning into methane, uh, but we're also preventing all the other, we're, we're not wasting all the resources used to grow and transport those crops. And so instead of us going to a farmer and saying, you know, Hey, let's, dedicate your farm just to make wheat for us. Uh, now that farmer is going to make wheat for whatever baked good that we're getting. And uh, we're just taking what's not sold and what's left over. And so that you're not doubling down on that farm and those resources, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's, that's incredible. I love it. I mean, <laughs> it's obvious that carbon negative would be the goal, right? Yep. But that's just such an incredible thing that you guys have accomplished. Um, so another thing I wanted to highlight is, you know, people, I, when I've mentioned 
misadventure to people and I tell them the process and I obviously don't have enough information to explain it 100% correctly, but I get super excited about it. They always wonder like the quality of the product, mm-hmm. but you guys have awards. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of our main goals was to um, make this product just as good, if not better than, you know, any other vodka out there. And, you know, any kind of sustainable product that we put out in the future, that's kind of our motto for sustainability to, um, to succeed and, 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 and really kind of take a foothold in our modern society. Um, we can't ask consumers to sacrifice like quality or price or convenience uh, because as history has told us, unfortunately, consumers just aren't going to do that. And so we need to understand what the rules of the game are and compete within those parameters. And so for us, our vodka needs to be exceptional and we go above and beyond uh, with our distillation, our filtration and our cuts to make a vodka that uh, in blind taste tests, uh, com- you know, competing with all the other vodkas in the world, uh, we've we've meddled in every, every single competition we've been in. I think we're up to five gold medals now. Uh, we've got 94 points uh, from the ultimate beverage competition. And so, uh, and, and as we, as we're improving our system and getting better at distilling, uh, you know, our, our products are getting better uh, every time we do it. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I love it. <laughs> it's so like, I, you know, I, I think a lot of us associate vodka with sort of a, a harsher, yeah. um, one of the liquors and, and, you know, misadventure is so incredibly smooth and it's just, it makes me happy every time that I'm able to enjoy it. Um, so I want to take a step back from misadventure and talk a little bit about your background mm-hmm. and kind of what led you to be inspired to create a sustainable distillery. So tell me a little bit about where you come from and, and what inspired you to do this? Um, well, I, you know, I, I grew up in a, in, in Western Massachusetts, uh, had a kind of like woods surrounding us. Um, my family was very community community oriented and kind of taught us that. And, um, you know, from, from just being little, like there's always been problems with the environment. And, uh, when you're, when you kind of grow up hearing all these stories about human, how humans are kind of, you know, damaging the place that's sustaining them. Um, when you get to be, when you get to the point where you can start making these decisions of like, if you own a business and like, do I make a sustainable business? It's not like, I just feel like owning us in, in starting a sustainable business or any business it has to be sustainable from now on. There is no other choice. And so when mm-hmm. Sam and I got together, you know, there wasn't even a question that this is going to be a sustainable company. Um, we didn't realize how sustainable this was going to be. Uh, and, 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 you know, I think with you too, like once you go down that sustainable path, like there's so much fun things. Cause you're, what's exciting for me is like, I have a, a fine arts background and uh, when you're trying to look at, what's in front of you and, and, and think of like a way of making it sustainably, you're using your artistic mind and your creativity. And I use that all the time, whether it's thinking about new products or new cocktails or um, getting inspired from people like yourself uh, and, and a lot of people on your program. Uh, there's just so much that we can all do. It's, it's a, it's a 
new, fun, and exciting frontier. Uh, and uh, I couldn't imagine not being a part of this, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, especially doing this podcast now, I mean, I get inspired by all of the people that I meet because you're exactly right. Like it, it it's it requires an amount of creativity um, to step outside of the box that's been created for business owners. And that's exactly what we're doing. And we're, you know, breaking through that ceiling. And it's it's amazing to be a part of it, amazing, amazing to watch it. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Um, one thing I really like to ask my guests um, is you know, outside of what you're doing within your business, do you have some, some product or suggestion, um, to our listeners? That's kind of one of your most, um, or one of your favorite sustainable practices in your own lives or products that you use? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess for practice wise, you know, I think the, the one of the most important steps you can do is kind of train your mind to kind of take a step back and think, before you want to go buy something or, you know, you're on your house, you're like, Oh, I need this. I need that. Uh, instead of going to Amazon and, and clicking that thing and buying it right away, because it's so convenient, uh, you know, take that second to stop and just kind of ask yourself a bunch of questions. Like, do I need this? And if, you know, if I do, like, can I borrow from somebody else? Can I get it used? Uh, and kind of go down a checklist. Like, well, if it's, if I have to buy it new, can I buy it locally? Uh, and if I buy this product, you know, what all the, what's the packaging going to be around it and, can it's be made in an organic or sustainable way. And so it's like kind of putting this like mental checklist in your head, um, before you kind of purchase a lot of these things. Cause at this, when you do that, you're actually saving a lot of money at the same time too. So a lot of times when you're, when you're kind of living a sustainable life or you're, you're trying to go down that path, you, there's multiple other benefits uh, financially and health-wise uh, that come along with it. And so um, I think the very first step is, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, like a mental discipline in a way. It's yep. a mental shift. It's, and I could not have said it better myself. That is beautifully said. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. Um, so the great thing about what we do is that when you buy a bottle of misadventure or you drink cocktail of misadventure in it, you're not um, paying for something where we're going to donate to like necessarily uh, donate to a nonprofit, which we do. But when you're drinking misadventure, you're actually taking part in the solution to protecting the environment and making the world a better place. Uh, every sip of misadventure lowers your carbon footprint. And so um, to give you an example, uh, if if everybody in the U.S. switched to drinking misadventure vodka, uh, we would all collectively divert the same amount of CO2 from going in the atmosphere that a forest the size of Yosemite National Park does. Wow, that's incredible. Well, okay, where can we find uh, it? So- <laughs> If you live if you live in San Diego, uh, especially North County, you can find a lot, a lot of the bars. Um, we would love to have you at the distillery. Uh, we will be opening the tasting room uh, in May. We have uh, a lot of great craft cocktails and local beer uh, and other local spirits as well. Um, and uh, if you wanted to, if you don't live in in San Diego, uh, we now ship through our website uh, all throughout the U.S. And so. Uh, visit our website and check us out and uh, 
Amazing. Okay, yeah, so now there's no excuse not to be. There we go. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely wonderful. I learned a lot and just makes me even more excited about you guys and to share it. Um, so I just want to thank you again for being here today. Well, it was my pleasure, Liz, and thank you for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. You can find more information on Instagram at, at misadventureco or on their website at www.misadventure.co. As always, all of the resources and brands mentioned on today's podcast will be linked for your reference. Until next time, I'm Liz Murphy, sending you sustainability love from San Diego. Sustainability is Sexy is a nonprofit organization located in San Diego, California, focused on inspiring and driving innovation within our community to create real change. Learn more at sustainabilityissexy.org and find out how you can be involved.